What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, and we're going to get into the post-All-Star break version of the Denver Nuggets and kind of take stock of the team, where they're at, talk about their first practice they had since the All-Star break, which happened on Wednesday morning, or afternoon, I should say. It was actually much later in the day than that, which is why I'm recording at 9 at night. Um, and we're going to get into the practice, we're going to get into the Nuggets injuries, and I want to talk about now that the trade deadline has passed, now that guys are starting to get healthy and guys are starting to return to form, what the Nuggets rotation will look like to finish out the year, and also what it could look like come playoff time with the information that is current gathered. Um, so yeah, we're going to get into all of that. I've, I think there's a lot of interesting things that came out of practice today. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, they both talked, as did Michael Malone. I also talked to Kata Bates-Jopp, who gave me some great information, just talking about his path, basically, from Minnesota to Denver. I'll end up riding on him in the future, but lots of interesting stuff right now. I'm actually very curious to see where the Nuggets go from here, because there's a lot of different avenues that they could potentially take, and they're all going to have a massive impact on the Nuggets bottom line once the end of the season comes around. So going to be a fun podcast. I'm very excited to get into it. Um, you're going to hear from Bet Online, Terrapin Care Station, and I'm going to give you a shout about the Regulators Production Group throughout this show. We're going to answer some questions from listeners, as I always do, and we're just going to try and kind of just check off the boxes because right now this is going to be the most important part of the Nuggets regular season naturally considering it's the last 27 games and we're going to learn a lot about where this team really is at who is really going to be able to step up what these rotations are going to look like who will be in who will be out who could lose minutes um, and really what Michael Malone's plan is going forward in addition to just outlining each individual injury that still exists on the Nuggets roster so make sure you stick around we're going to take a quick break so that we can talk about Bet Online, who is a big time, you know, massive supporter of this podcast and the Blue Wire Podcast Network as a whole. So, without any further ado, here is a quick word from Bet Online, and we are going to get right back into Nuggets conversations. Madness, the Masters, Major League Opening Day are all right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered on all of the latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. But the greatness doesn't stop there. The best part: when you sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury matchup goes down just this Saturday, and I can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than to use actual free money. Because why not use free money to win 
more real money. So head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy, and if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So like I said in the intro, we're going to cover a lot of this Nuggets practice, but more in a macro sense. I want to look at this practice and what it means going forward to the last 27 games of the regular season, because I find that to be extremely interesting. Um, First of all, the most obvious thing to talk about is just the vibes at Nuggets practice were great today. I mean, the guys were excited, lots of yelling, lots of laughing, lots of messing with assistant coaches. Michael Malone was even very happy. Um, not that he isn't usually isn't happy. Malone is actually a pretty funny, sarcastic, overall just warm kind of guy. Like he's not he does he's not the kind of individual just to like wall off everybody and not be around. Malone's very good at socializing and being charismatic and being around people like that in that fashion. So it's not like this is rare for them. But I do find it notable that everybody after being you know getting a chance to get away for a, you know for a week or so is just an extremely high spirits. These guys know that what they have coming up is an extremely business type 27 games to finish out the season strong, but guys are just happy to be back in the gym with each other. Guys are happy to be able to it's it felt like the first day of school. Like everyone was just kind of like talking about their different vacations and excited to be back. And those good vibes to start out if they can be followed up with a win as well, that could be the start of something that propels the Nuggets forward. This Nuggets team and if you've listened to the show over the years, you know I've said this multiple times, but this team thrives on joy. When everyone's loose, when everyone's just comfortable and they're having fun, this Nuggets team goes to an entirely different level, especially on offense. And because of that, you know, earlier in the year, it wasn't necessarily like that. There was a much more business type approach to it where, you know, Nikola Jokic wasn't fully locked in. Gary Harris is struggling, but they're peeling off wins despite that. All of those things don't seem to be the same vibe that currently exists now. And they were winning despite that. This isn't to say the Nuggets need to be fun to win, but at their best, they play with joy. They play with excitement. They play loose. They play together. And that's what makes this Nuggets offense so lethal. So if they can take this and bottle it and be able to use it for the rest of the season, that could be very, very, very big for this Denver Nuggets team, especially because they're starting to get healthy. More on that in a second. Um, Michael Malone, by the way, it's easy to look at Michael Malone as like a queen's bread asshole, which is fair because he's not an asshole, but he's real. He's blunt. He's, you know, to the point, very, very, um, there is no extra baggage to what Malone says. You're going to hear exactly how he feels. And it's just, this is what it is. And that is to be admired. That is not something super negative, but what people don't see and maybe some things that us as media, we have not done a great job of conveying to people is just how welcoming and how um, not just charismatic, but down to earth Michael Malone really is as just a person. Like we were like, he, he told us a story during the scrum that he had gone up to Breckenridge with his wife and his daughters to get away for the All-Star weekend, which was awesome. Um, afterwards, because I had worked in Breckenridge at a resort which will remain unnamed that Malone frequents, and I had not seen him because I was working up there before Malone had ever coached this team, but I used to work at the resort that Michael Malone was at this weekend. So 
I told him that, you know, after the scrum, I was like, hey, how was the stay? You know, I used to work there or whatever. And he goes, you would be a snowboard bum or something along those lines. It, it, it's just so clear that Michael Malone is not only an intense battle-driven type of a coach, but someone who, like, really appreciates connecting with people and learning about people and what makes them tick and taking an interest in the individuals around him, whether or not just to know, to be able to have the information, just because he's a warm guy. And this is something that isn't rare. I mean, Michael Malone bullshits with the media after the press conference, not regularly, but he does it throughout the year to where it's not a surprise when he does. This is somebody, and this is the reason that I'm saying this, it's not to talk about my influence with Michael Malone, it's to show just the small ways that he has been with the media and how exactly those kinds of traits, that kind of charisma, his ability to connect with individuals has allowed him to be such a great player coach and someone who can talk to his players and be on the same page and be able to implement their culture building words of trust, selflessness, and work because that's what they do. They trust one another, they are selfless throughout it all, and they work hard regardless of the circumstances surrounding them. That is a byproduct of Michael Malone, and it's something that has allowed him to ascend to this level of coaching that he has grown towards. So the fact that he can be that kind of a people's person that connecting, that understanding, not necessarily compassionate, but empathetic and able to take in what you're feeling and use it and fully grasp what is happening around him. He's not going to be, um, what's the right word I'm looking for here? He's not going to bend from his moral code or his own thought processes because of anybody else, but at the same time, he can also understand it and take it into account. Like His ability to be warm and down to earth while also being stern and in your face it's a very difficult thing to balance to be an asshole that's also compassionate is a tough thing to do but Michael Malone so perfectly walks that tightrope with everybody it seems like he interacts with it's just real and that is just one of those things that I took in today from practice that you it makes you realize how he's able to connect with literally anybody who walks into that Nuggets gym. And it's really, really impressive to see just how good at that he is. Um, that was a rant that I did not imagine going that long, but I still found it very, very interesting. So the other side of this, though, I talk about how loose they are and excited they are and those first day of school vibes of seeing all your old friends after the summer and all those things. But... That's not what Michael Malone is here to do. Michael Malone knows that those things can be helpful throughout a long 82-game season, but this is a business, and they are here to win basketball games. Michael Malone referenced the fact that the Nuggets went 15-10 and 10 post-All-Star break last year and how that was not good enough. He noted that the Nuggets finished pre-All-Star break this year very well, but that the Nuggets need to take a business-like approach to the coming games to finish out the regular season strong. And that's absolutely fair. The Nuggets can have their fun. They can be on the beach in the Bahamas or Mexico drinking Mai Tais, whatever they were doing. But now it's time to get back to work for this Nuggets team, and Michael Malone does not want that fact to be lost on his group. And I don't think it was. This seemed to be a very productive practice. There are people tweeting about how productive the practice was. And... The other side of this, everybody was able to practice. We'll get into that in a second because I'm going to talk about the injuries extensively here in a bit, but Malone knows that this team has to lock back in and be ready to produce at an extremely high level to get where they want to be, and he's instilling that in them right now from the very first day of practice since the All-Star break has now come and gone, so... It's going to be interesting to see how this Nuggets team comes out because, again, they were not perfect to start out 
after the All-Star break last year. They were younger. They were still trying to figure out the ropes. They weren't used to being that team, but they they have the experience now. They know what is required of them to be great. Are they going to follow through? And I ha- honestly, I have no reason to believe they wouldn't. So the other interesting thing, when Nikola Jokic was talking today, um, Nikola Jokic was talking, I don't even know how it came up. I'm not going to lie. I can't I think Mike Singer asked of the Denver Post, asked him some question that I can't remember, but Nikola Jokic spoke about the challenge of not wanting to be at the top. And I know that sounds bizarre, but Nikola Jokic doesn't want to reach some level to where he's suddenly just there and you've made it. Like the, the idea of making it, and this is all according to Nikola Jokic, is not what he's looking for. He likes the challenge in the climb was the idea that he conveyed today. And I found that so interesting. When Jokic said he doesn't want to reach the top, I was very taken aback. But when I start to think about it more, that's kind of just who Nikola Jokic is. Like, he's not playing an offensive possession of basketball with the sole intention of scoring a bucket. It's, how can I get this ball to the right place right now? It's all instincts. Like, don't get me wrong, it almost always leads to the right, you know, the right outcome, but Nikola Jokic is not looking at this journey as a process to reach a certain level. Nikola Jokic is just challenging and just fighting through to see how good he can get. And I think it's such an interesting thing, because for so long, we're trying to figure out what the the fuck makes Nikola Jokic tick? Like, I still don't know what motivates him or gets him excited or makes him happy. I, I don't know what it is. I know horses make him happy. I know small children make him happy. I know playing high-profile basketball games makes him happy. Outside of those things, I just don't have a great grasp on what motivates Nikola Jokic. So for him to reveal this was extremely interesting to me in that regard because Nikola Jokic is... It's like... The, uh, <laughs> I'm going to sound very Rob Polinka here, but the book The Alchemist by Paulo Colo is literally the manifestation of this thought process. It's not the where it's not the destination, it's the journey. And Nikola Jokic enjoying the journey is not something that I necessarily expected. It's not unexpected, but when he said it, it was kind of jarring. That like you I didn't imagine Nikola Jokic was that of that mindset. So, I don't know how this plays out long term. I'm not sure exactly what it means. I do think that it doesn't give a little bit more hope to the fact that Nikola Jokic will keep improving as he has ever since he got into the NBA, but it was a small little insight into who Nikola Jokic is that us as media, I've covered him since his first summer league, have not been able to see, and I found that really cool and intriguing and something that was relatable about him to a lot of people was that Nikola Jokic is just out here trying to do his best and get better every single day. And there's something very admirable about that in a professional athlete in a sport that is constantly talking about rings all the damn time. And Nikola Jokic just wants to get better every day. And honestly, this goes back to Michael Malone and being able to connect with his players. It felt like Michael Malone was speaking through Nikola Jokic, which is not as rare as you would think. Most of these players regurgitate a lot of the same phrases that Michael Malone uses regularly. And it, again, speaks to the fact that this team is just so close. And I just I like the idea of how they are mentally growing together, not just as a roster, but as a coaching staff, front office, ownership group, and roster. And it's been absolutely awesome to watch happen in a lifetime. All right, that's enough of my like random ranting on speculation shit, but let's move on to the Nuggets injuries because Michael Malone, or let's start with Nikola Jokic because Nikola Jokic had basically said that everybody had practiced in some capacity on Wednesday afternoon, which was a very encouraging sign. Um, to bring you guys back a week, the Nuggets were without Mason Plumley, Will Barton, and Michael Porter Jr. pre-All-Star break. 
So now, Mason Plumlee and Michael Porter Jr. look to be on pace to play against the Thunder, not tomorrow, but the next day, on Friday. So that will be very good. The fact that they have improved enough to come back that quickly is very, very, very good. The other part of this is Will Barton, which Michael Malone later on said they are being much more cautious with. He went through less of practice today than Michael Porter Jr. or Mason Plumlee did. Um, But at the same time, he is still improving as well. There isn't nervousness about a long-term lingering issue. Michael Malone even went as far to say that all three of them had the possibility of playing against the Thunder, but it's good to note that there could be a reality in which Will Barton is the one that they are being more cautious with. Michael Malone likened his knee issue to what Paul Millsap was dealing with, which was a sprain slash contusion. And that while there hasn't been one exact moment that it looks like this had happened, um, it, it honestly could just be a byproduct of wear and tear of playing just a ginormous number of minutes like Will Barton has been doing. So I do wonder how long it's going to be, how careful they're going to be. The fact that they have Kata Bates' job and Michael Porter Jr. is coming back from injury means that they can be more cautious with him than not, especially because he's coming off of an injury last year that sapped most of his season from him. So that's kind of where they're at. I would expect Michael Porter Jr. and Mason Plumley to play immediately uh, on Friday against the Thunder. I'm assuming the Nuggets are going to sit Will Barton for that game and continually allow him to get rested because they're going to need him down the line. And that's and he's one of the few players on their team who can play one-on-one, and they need that in their starting group. So I'm imagining that they're going to be able to take things slowly with Will Barton, and he might be back after, but who knows? The Nuggets could have an entirely healthy roster against the Thunder coming up in just a couple days. But that is all of the injury stuff. Um, I'm not really trying to go too much deeper in it because I don't really find it that interesting because these guys should be back any minute now. Let's talk about this Nuggets rotation real quick before taking a break and answering some Twitter questions on the other side. Um, Michael Malone... He talked about today about his rotation, about how he doesn't want to run an eight-man rotation and burn out his guys prior to the playoffs. He wants to utilize the depth that they have, which they still absolutely have, by the way. Um, So, if Michael Malone does not want to use an eight-man rotation, that means he will likely be playing 10 guys on any given night. So, of course, the typical starters, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, and a bench lineup, in my opinion, that will consist of Monte Morris, Torrey Craig, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley. What is interesting about this, and he was asked about this today, is by Nick Cosmoder of The Athletic, if I'm re- remembering correctly, but... Michael Malone was asked, do you anticipate putting Paul Millsap back into the starting lineup when his minute restriction is gone? And he said yes. So there was no hesitation to his answer. So Paul Millsap will be starting when his minute restriction is up. Jeremy Grant will go back to the bench, but that does not mean that he's not going to play a ton of minutes. I was lo- I was playing with the rotation tool on early bird rights, which you should definitely go pay attention to. That website is fantastic, but I have a strong suspicion that Jeremy Grant is going to be playing... At- in the playoffs, will be playing small forward, power forward, and center for this Nuggets team in different spurts. He'll come off the bench, be a backup five, probably not play Mason Plumlee. He'll play with the starters at the three if they need to defend the likes of LeBron James. They're really going to use him all over the place. 
So while Paul Millsap will be starting, Jeremy Grant is going to have a very, very big role. So those are the 10 I think that Michael Malone will play most nights. I think you'll see Mason Plumley's role get slowly and surely um, minimized the more and more the season goes along as the Nuggets get ready for a playoff matchup. And I wonder who gets squeezed out beyond that because the Nuggets are going to play Monte Morris. They're going to play Michael Porter Jr. They're going to play Jeremy Grant. I would be very surprised if Tory Craig gets squeezed out, but if he doesn't, Gary Harris could be on the chopping block, not to be cut, not to be taken out of the starting lineup, but to play significantly less minutes. So I'm very curious to see how the playoff rotation looks like. If they're going to play an eight-man rotation, I'm guessing that you have a whole lot less of Mason Plumley, and likely, if I'm Michael Malone's brain, less Michael Porter Jr. and more Tory Craig, just because one has thrived in a playoff setting and the other one has never been there before. But for me, I think that they need they need to play Michael Porter Jr. in this playoff setting. I really, 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 really do. Um, also, if Malone does elect to use some days to rest some guys going forward, the Nuggets have plenty of depth. Noah Vonley can fill in for Nikola Jokic, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, or Mason Plumley. P.J. Dozier and Jordan McRae can fit in at either backcourt um, position, and Kata Bates-Jopp can fill in at either wing position. So it's not like they don't have depth. It's just one of those situations in which they got to be smart about how they go about things. And Michael Malone is going to use that depth to his advantage. All right, we're going to take our second break. I'll be back and we'll answer some questions from Twitter followers. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. Everyone knows this is my favorite segment of the show, which is answering questions from listeners. And all these questions are sent in on through Twitter. You'll see me put out that question, ask me nuggets or question. Jesus Christ. You'll see me put out that statement telling you guys to ask me nuggets questions. And you guys usually do, which is awesome. And I try and answer as many of them that I can on the show. So I picked six different ones today. I think all of them were pretty interesting and they're pretty diverse. Uh, quite a few about Michael Porter Jr., but beyond that, some very interesting topics. And I'm going to yell at one person, so I'm sorry ahead of time, Mr. Stuff, but it's coming. But let's just dive into it. CD Beaupre, which I believe is the name, is, do you believe that Jokic Murray and Michael Porter Jr. on the floor together in real and meaningful minutes will break the game and catapult the Nuggets starting offense to the next level? People really, really want to rush Michael Porter Jr. ahead of his timeline. They want him to immediately be this superstar player despite the fact that he's played in, what, 40 games so far in his career? That's not fair. 
we need to stop with this. We, we need to completely chill out because Michael Porter Jr. is an unbelievably gifted basketball player who has had two back surgeries and has played 40 games in two years. Like, can we please relax with this? And also, he's coming off an ankle injury right now. There is absolutely no reality in which it's fair to be like, you know what, Michael Porter Jr., go be your third star in the playoffs against the Lakers? Like, those ideas, they're not fair to Michael Porter Jr. They're not. We gotta stop trying to project what who he could be in five years onto who he is now. Michael Porter Jr. is a rookie who has had some incredible moments and some awful moments. These things exist at the same time as they should for rookies. So this idea that he's some perfect transcendental star to immediately put next to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray in meaningful minutes and all of a sudden they just go to the next level, basketball does not work like that. You can't just insert somebody who fits on paper and everything just functions. It just That's not the way this game is built. So... No, right now, there is not a... I do not believe that just dropping Michael Porter Jr. on the floor with those two is just going to make this Nuggets team a juggernaut. They're very good right now, exactly how he is. And playing him 20 to 25 minutes a night off of the bench, where he can play with the ball in his hands quite a bit more while also learning to play off ball, also where his defense is less detrimental, all of those things are only going to help him become ideally the best player he can be so long as he stays healthy. So the idea that you would try and accelerate that process, it just doesn't work like that. If you want an example of how these things can go, look at Emmanuel Moutier. The Nuggets handed him the keys and he got worse from his rookie year to his second year to his third year because he was given too much responsibility and too much freedom. He developed bad habits and things started to fall apart from the inside. So instead of allowing that to happen when you already have a team as deep and as talented as this Nuggets team is, and you already have Will Barton starting at small forward, who's arguably a comeback player of the year candidate kind of player if the Nuggets ha- or if the NBA had that award, there's no reason to accelerate this. So in time, maybe you're right. Maybe they all of a sudden become just like a top 10 defense and a number one offense in basketball the second they start them in two years. Sure. But right now, it's too early to be trying to make these grand proclamations about exactly what Michael Porter Jr. will be able to do for this Nuggets team in the long term by starting him now. Or even just playing him with the starters the majority of the time. It's just not going to happen, and I don't believe it should. Uh, Nolan's Minecraft account asks, if we get a superstar in the offseason, wouldn't he take shots away from Michael Porter Jr., who will probably be starting next season? I want Michael Porter Jr. shooting 15 to 20 times a game instead of a superstar we acquired taking 25 shots per game. I would rather have MPJ than a star. I... I don't want to be mean, but I just don't get this. I, I don't understand it. And this is this is not to attack this individual. It's not this. I've gotten this question or this statement or however you want to frame it like 30 times over the past month. I don't understand this idea of not bringing... Okay, let's just... Let's play hypothetical game here. Let's say the Nuggets can trade for Bradley Beal and it does not require moving Michael Porter Jr. Why on earth would you not make that deal for Michael Porter Jr.? It doesn't make sense. And plus, if Bradley Beal is on this team taking 25 shots a game, the Nuggets are probably championship contenders doing some seriously incredible stuff. So the idea that the Nuggets need to mortgage their ability to win now to be able to get Michael Porter Jr. 15 to 20 shots 
shots a game, it's wrong. This is not something the Nuggets should be doing. They should not be prioritizing Michael Porter Jr. over improving the roster now. No, they should not trade him. I'm not sitting here and saying who cares about Michael Porter Jr., but this idea of making decisions entirely around the idea of Michael Porter Jr. should not be real. The Nuggets should be doing everything they can to continually improve their roster in whatever way they can. And if you can trade for a star like Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday this offseason, you should not there's no reason not to do it. If you do it because you don't want to take away shots from Michael Porter Jr., you're kind of giving up on this whole idea of winning in this window until Michael Porter Jr. is in his prime, which is, you know, throwing out three years. So I don't get this. I have I get this question a lot, and I just don't understand it. Moving on. Josh um, Ruscharger. I'm sorry if I said that badly. Josh Ruscharger. Uh, do you think Michael Porter Jr. will get 20 minutes a game for the rest of the season? 20 plus minutes a game. Yes. Yes. This is something that I entirely agree with. Um, I think Michael Porter Jr. will get between 20 and 25 minutes a game off of the bench playing both small forward and power forward in some stretches. I think the Nuggets are going to slowly start to integrate him more at the four to be able to create just a matchup nightmare for other teams. But yes, I, I would fully prepare yourself for 20 plus minutes a game for the rest of the season for Michael Porter Jr. Sulin Dildeen. Again, I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. They said, or they asked, do you see them actually benching Gary Harris if his struggles continue? I was having this conversation with another media member about what would it take for the Nuggets to make such a drastic move. And I think the only thing that would lead to the Nuggets benching Gary Harris outright is them going on a big losing streak and him being just absolutely disastrous during it. And I don't see that happening. I'm talking losing 8 of 10, and all of a sudden they feel like they have to do something to shake up their rotation. And I just don't see that coming. The other side of this is, benching Gary Harris means you lose all of the value that Gary Harris brings. Not all of it, but the majority of it. Gary Harris is best skill, his most impactful skill right now, it's his ability to defend smaller guards or smaller lead guards. It's tougher for him to guard guys that are 6'6". Like, Shea Gilgis-Alexander isn't a great matchup for Gary Harris, but he can guard the CJ McCollums of the world, the Damian Lillards of the world, the Kyries of the world, all of these really high-level guards extremely well. Putting him on the bench entirely negates that entire skill because you're not guarding players of that caliber. You're not getting the most out of his defense. So even if Gary Harris's shot continues to not fall, I do not think the Nuggets will make a change at the shooting at the starting shooting guard position. They will continually rely on Gary Harris for better or worse because you just don't get enough out of him if you put him on the bench. And also, if you slide Will Barton to the two and you try and start Torrey Craig, you still have an offensively inefficient player in there. Who so it's just. I I'm not exactly sure what would it what it would take. I think it would take quite a few losses, and I don't anticipate them benching Gary Harris. But if they get to the playoffs and they're playing the Clippers, and Gary Harris is not able to defend the likes of Paul George at the two, you can bet your ass that, the, that Michael Malone will make a change to get Torrey Craig in there or something like that in a playoff setting. But in terms of benching him during the regular season, I just don't see that coming. All right, here I'm going to be mean again. Mr. Stuff asks, when the heck is Bol Bol going to be healthy and play or start for the Nuggets? In my opinion, he's a 7-2 Kevin Durant. What are we doing? Why? I, I, I don't get this. Where in the... I, I don't... 
I don't know how there are any comparisons to Kevin Durant and Bull Bull. We need to stop, man. Like, I know it was fun when the Nuggets were young and they had nothing to lose and they had to, there was no actual title window there and it was fun to play, you know, Nikola Jokic just let him run wild and it was fun to have this, the young guys just playing loose, but that's not where this Nuggets team is anymore. Bull Bull is not going to play this year. Full stop. Maybe in game like 78, the Nuggets rest a bunch of people and they play Bull Bull for a night, but like, there is no reality in which Bull Bull is going to be involved in this Nuggets team in a consistent rotational sense until maybe halfway through next year. He's really far away, guys. Like, Bull Bull right now could get pushed out of the post by almost anybody in the NBA. He is not anywhere near where he should be physically, which is not an indictment on him. He was hurt, and he's 7'2", and doesn't exactly have the kind of body that puts on muscle mass in the correct way. But this idea that he is some, like, transcendental player might actually come true in three, four years when he can get his legs under him, but he is so far from that idea right now. So, no, we gotta let go of Bol Bol. Bol is basically a non-consequential entity on the Nuggets team this season. We should completely forget about him going until we get to next year. Sure, Summer League comes around, start talking about the offseason, start talking about training camp, who could potentially fill Mason Plumlee's role if Mason's gone. Cool, have all the Bol Bol conversations you want. There is no reality in which Bol matters right now for this Nuggets team for this run for this playoff setting and I'm just going to leave it there because I've ranted too much (sighs) Trent M asks is there an injury that is bugging Harris that has led to his shooting struggles this year if not what do you think the Nuggets are doing to try and get him to break out of his slump so two things here Gary Harris has 12 lower body injuries in the last 24 months 12 that's that's enough to make anybody's shot get a little bit shaky. So maybe the injuries have part to do with it. There's so many of them, I couldn't tell you which ones are hurting him or if there's one currently hurting him or if it's just mental. But all I know is that Gary Harris's shot is not going in and he's healthy enough to play. He came back to, He came back this season to training camp lighter than he usually is to try to avoid these injuries, and they keep happening. So at this point, the Nuggets' only plan is to let him keep shooting through it. They're going to trust Gary Harris. And honestly, I'm not sure what the other alternative is. You might as well just trust Gary Harris. Let him shoot open shots and hope that they start to go in. Because if he can find just a league average shooting potential all of a sudden, the Nuggets offense is going to get so much scarier, so much quicker. But right now, he's just not that guy. And I'm not sure what it's going to take to get that out of him. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know I've been gone for a couple weeks, but the podcast is coming back with a fury now. So it's good to have you guys back. It's good to talk to you guys once again. It's good that Nuggets basketball will be back in basically 24 hours from when you're listening to this show. So there's going to be a lot more coming. I'll be talking after Nuggets practice tomorrow about some other shit, and we're going to get into all kinds of conversations. So with that being said, make sure to subscribe to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to go follow me on Twitter at TJ McBride MBA. Make sure to go follow Mile High Sports and go read all this stuff on milehighsports.com. And with that being said, that's it. Go check out Bet Online. Go check out Regulators Production Group. Go check out Terrapin Care Station. They'll all take care of you. But for tonight, I am TJ McBride and I am signing off. It has been a pleasure. We will talk to you guys later.